welcome to the STEM Economy with your host, Matt Bender. Yes, the scam economy rolls on. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the show. I am your host, Matt Binder, and today we're going to be discussing your paycheck. Yes, that's right. You are probably massively underpaid by your employer, but imagine how much less you would make if you decided, I don't know, say four five, six months ago that you were going to start taking your paycheck in crypto. Things probably aren't going how you would expect right now if you are one of those unfortunate individuals. Now, before we get to that and before I plug some things, I just want to bring up how the last episode of Scam Economy focused on Elon Musk and his love and connection to the world of cryptocurrency. And in that episode, I brought up his electric car company, Tesla, and their own crypto holdings. Well, literally days after that episode aired, Tesla announced in their quarterly earnings that they sold off 75% of their Bitcoin during the crash. Oh, it's interesting how Elon Musk really flaunted and uh, made it publicly known when Tesla was buying crypto, but uh, sort of was on the hush-hush and only announced it when they absolutely had to, well, after the fact, when they sold off and left everyone they told about their crypto uh, investment holding the bag. But just wanted to mention that here because, you know, scam economy, always timely, always prescient. And to support the work on this show, please go to patreon.com slash mattbinder to subscribe and help this show grow. Also, subscribe to the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash mattbinder, the Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash mattbinder. As always, you can connect your Amazon Prime account to your Twitch account and give a free Twitch Prime subscription to me. Free meaning free for you. Amazon pays me. Also, at Matt Binder on Twitter, Instagram, wherever you're on social media, just search my name. It'll surely come up. ScamEconomy.com for the podcast version of this show. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Leave a review on Spotify. And without any further ado, let's get to the latest episode on people taking their paychecks in cryptocurrency. And joining me now to discuss all of this is... Quinn Myers, author of the upcoming book, Remember the Internet, Volume 3, Google Glass. Quinn, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, thanks for having me on, Matt. This is, uh, this is a pleasure. Now, I, I came across your recent piece in Mel Magazine, and uh, you know, for people who don't know, should go, uh, who haven't seen it, I should say, go check it out. It's the guys who took their paychecks in crypto are feeling the burn. And, you know, I've been covering on this show over the past, geez, two months or so, the crypto crash that started with, you know, Terra Luna and then uh, Celsius and Voyager and all these other crypto lenders that are continuing to fail and, you know, basically, uh, you know, sh sh I don't even want to say share the pain because the pain's not being shared, basically skirting the pain off on their customers and clients by 
basically not letting them withdraw their money. And I'm sure, you know, the owners and the uh, executives over at Celsius and, uh, you know, Luna, uh, Terra and, uh, you know, Voyager and all these other crypto lenders, they'll all be just fine, I'm sure. It's going to be their customers who end up hurting. But, you know, I've been covering all of this for these past few months. And I, I wanted to sort of, you know, because it's almost like it's kind of ridiculous how it's almost like literally every single week, it feels like almost there's a new crypto lender following the same exact, you know, storyline here. Same exact thing. Oh, we're not going to pause withdrawals. Boom. Uh, a couple of days later, withdrawals paused. Oh, we're not, you know, we're figuring things out. We're going to get you your money. Everything's okay. They're filing for bankruptcy. Oh, you know, don't worry about it. Uh, you should freaking worry about it if you're a customer of theirs. Uh, and, and, you know, it's getting quite, like, you know, uh, monotonous covering some of this stuff if you're a listener of Scam Economy, I, I think, at least. So I'm trying to bring people new perspectives of how this is affecting the, you know, the people who are, uh, being the most hurt by this. And then I came across your piece. And it's really fantastic because it it speaks with people who, as the title says, took their paychecks in crypto. And thanks to the crypto crash, I'm assuming, uh, do not have exactly the amount they made if they were, you know, if they were uh, taking their money in fiat currency, like U.S. dollars, uh, I was my guess correct. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I like to I like to talk to these guys, especially the guys you don't hear from. You know, the the, the Bitcoin maxis and the and the guys on Twitter. Um, so I, I try to find you know guys who probably saw Matt Damon uh, plug on the Super Bowl or or I don't know. Every other week, there's like a story like NFL players taking his massive salary in Bitcoin and. I always think like I wonder if there's got to be just some like there's got to be a lot of just normal dudes who are just like oh like this is probably a good idea I should do it I'll be rich or I'll like get more money um, so I went out and, and found them um, just kind of a lot of them are in these Reddit threads that I put in the piece uh, kind of talking about their experience and and how it's gone and um, since then it hasn't gone great I'll say. Right, right. And, you know, I, I actually want to touch on the what you brought up about, like, the Matt Damon commercial during the Super Bowl and, like, the sports stars. Because that, that is a huge thing. Like, you know, obviously, uh, crypto in general has tried to, and I've done an episode on the Super Bowl commercials. I've done an episode on Celsius where I discuss Celsius's partnership with... Oh my God, I forgot which uh, MLB team, but literally uh, the night, uh, you know, Celsius paused withdrawals and all the, the you know, the, 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 the uh, information about the company failing was coming out. Literally, I'm watching uh, a clip of a commercial that that MLB team played and shared on their Twitter account from Celsius, who was the team sponsor. And then I recently, I think like a week or two ago, had an episode on Voyager where I discuss how they partnered with Mark Cuban and the Dallas Mavericks. And they were like the official Mavericks crypto partner and promoting the Mavericks were promoting Voyager. So this has been huge in, you know, in, in sports and they obviously know what they're doing. They want to get, like you mentioned, who you speak to when you try to do your pieces, the common everyday, what they would call the retail investor. 
Um, and, you know, but, but specifically to this piece, there was a very strong push among individual athletes who were quite publicly broadcasting that they were going to take their professional salaries. And it's been unclear in some cases whether they were taking their whole, like, you know, uh, you know, salary directly from their team in crypto or if they were just like in some cases just taking like the payment for promoting the crypto company that salary as (laughs) they didn't quite some of them some of them probably did a little bit of both some of them probably did just one and not the other um but you know they made a big to do about hey we're taking our our payment in crypto right um, and where, where this really took off is, uh, so there's a few like levels of guys I talked to. One, um, was Kai Morris and he's like a block, he described himself as like a blockchain ethicist. He works in the industry. Um, you know, t- taking crypto for payment was, he did it because it kind of showed that he was like invested in the industry and everything and, and it helped him get hired. But this really took off for, for people like the other person in the article, which is Brian, who's a line cook in Wisconsin. Um, I got an email from Coinbase uh, around, I think, February of this year and said, hey, uh, we can we can. Like within a few presses of a button, we'll like just hook right up to your uh, employer's payment portal and, and some of your paycheck will go directly into directly into whatever crypto you want. You don't have to pay the fees that you normally pay. Like you're normally paying anyway. There's a cheap way to do it, and and that's when it, I feel like it, it's really taken off. I don't know how many are out there who signed up for this for the program. And now I think today FTX announced that they are also doing direct deposits, and it's like you said, they all they all like they all do the same thing. It's all just a cyclical, no, cyclical no. scam. Now that's real. The two people you spoke to are really interesting because they do come from completely different back backgrounds. Now, Kai Morris, the 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 blockchain industry worker that you spoke to, um, you said that he took his salary in crypto in order to help his job prospects, or was it to directly get hired for a job? Which was it again? So, if, if um, in his mind, he if he if he did not take payment in crypto, whatever, whatever it was like, then he, he said the blockchain industry might see him as someone not, like not a true believer. Um, so oh, him being a true believer by s- signaling that he's a true believer, it helps him get these jobs because then he'll get paid. Um, but that also includes in one case, he got paid by a company in their specific coin, uh, for after a job, got paid for it, went to, um, uh, change it into like USD coin or something more stable and the market crashed and it was worthless. So he got no payment for that because the company's coin just lost all its value. So, so wow. I mean, so we're not even talking about people who are solely taking their paycheck or in uh, Kai's case in that specific instance, like just like freelance pay, excuse me, freelance payment. Um, in crypto, they're not even just talking about like uh, taking it in like Bitcoin or Ether on the Ethereum network. We're talking like real obscure, like some case sounds like like fly by night, like altcoin shit coins type type deals here. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
it dropped. And he, he said he did. For a while, he got paid in like Bitcoin and Ethereum. And a lot of these guys who, who do this, they lose a huge chunk of their paycheck every two weeks to paying like all the fees, all the transfer fees, the deposit fees, the, the withdrawal fees, like all the gas fees. And it, I just can't imagine being like, okay, I'm going to do this and lose $80 of my paycheck every week to, for transaction fees. Right, right. Now, here, here's the thing. Like you mentioned that, um, and I hear this from a lot of crypto advocates, how, you know, they do this to avoid all the usual fees involved with banking. And listen, I know there are ridiculous fees involved with banking in terms of like, you know, overdraft. If you try to use your debit card, for example, and your your your, your bank account is empty and you use it and, you know, you get charged for doing that. Uh, or, for example, uh, some, uh, well, honestly, many, I, I, I want to say most uh, banks now, at, at the very least, have minimum deposit, uh, minimum amounts that you must, uh, you're required to keep in your account. Otherwise, every statement cycle, you do get a fee if you like drop, for example, with my bank, if you dropped under 100 bucks, there's like a $25 fee or whatever. So I'm not saying that these fees don't exist, but in your piece, it seems like um, the individuals you spoke with speak of like regular fees that are involved with getting like paid direct deposit in their bank account from their company. And maybe I am, I mean, I'm not, you know, I, I am, uh, I'm not rich or close to it. I'm, you know, I paycheck live paycheck to paycheck, uh, but I have not. Other than those things I just mentioned, with which without a doubt affects people who are poor or impoverished and don't have those minimums. But if you have like a regular job and you're staying above those things, like I don't get what fees are these guys talking about? Like I don't know of any other fees that are involved with getting these direct deposits in your account. I get paid direct deposit. Bi-weekly from, uh, from my main job, I uh, get direct deposits from my payments via like the, the small payments that like YouTube and Twitch and Patreon gives me for my work doing my shows. Um, I, I don't get any like fees directly correlated with that direct deposit. Did they go further into what fees they were trying to avoid? No, they, they didn't. I, I don't. And I... I think most of their motivation was thinking either their the value of their payments would increase, uh, which would give them more money, or I think, well, the, the other thing too was like, it wasn't just about price. Um, it's also just like insanely more complicated because, you know, they, they some of them get their, their payments in Bitcoin and then they have to pay for bills, they have to pay for rent, they have to pay for cable, Netflix, everything. And so they have to like then go to Bitcoin. They, they t- turn Bitcoin into dollars, or in one in one of their cases, he turned it in. He just like bought gift cards for Netflix every month, and that's how he paid his Netflix uh, fees. Well, so it's so just a huge, huge uh, headache. Right. It doesn't sound like there's any like avoidance of usual banking fees. Like there's no reason, like unless they're they're like uh, you know. Uh, misconstruing what's going on here like they're trying to just put their money in saving uh, savings accounts which i believe you do get hit with if you are constantly like withdrawing from your savings account but 
uh, as someone who cannot afford to have a savings account, I don't have a savings account with my bank. I have a checking account. And as long as I don't uh, you know, spend more than what's in my account, and as long as I don't drop below that $100 minimum, there are zero fees involved with anything I do. I can withdraw money from any ATM that is involved with my bank. No fees involved. I can, and that's with any bank, um, has that same sort of rules. I can um, use my debit card. No fees involved with that. I can transfer money uh, as long as it's not like a wire transfer. Like if I'm just paying a bill or something, no fees involved with like paying like the Con Ed bill and things like that. I like that's always baffled me. Like, yes, if you're talking about people who don't even have the amount of money to have a bank account, I totally get it. Crypto is not the answer. They don't, you know, they always say crypto is going to bank the unbanked. Well, with all the fees involved with crypto, it certainly isn't any better than the fees involved with banks for people who are, you know, uh, poor and won't hit those you know, minimums at with their bank account. But in terms of people who uh, can avoid those banking fees, they can avoid those crypto fees. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned savings account too. Like when this Coinbase direct deposit program came out, I, I, there's an article in Forbes that kind of lauded that you could instead of putting money in your savings account and getting what 0.002 interest, you know, some of these coins you get like four percent interest, and like that's so much smarter to do that. Uh, and and you can see why someone who who wants to like have a little bit of a safety net would be like oh I yeah I might as well like put my money and make four percent interest instead of point zero zero two percent interest but then they don't really account for when the value of that coin drops by you know seventy percent and it's uh, that four percent doesn't really help as much right they don't account for the fact that it's actually a Ponzi that they're getting involved with <laughs> um. Yes. So when yeah. did someone like um the uh Brian the uh the the line cook when did when did he, he you you said he got involved seeing uh the email from Coinbase promoting um the direct deposit program uh, was how how much of his uh paycheck was he uh diverting and basically how does that work do they just just invest his money automatically into bitcoin does he get to pick which crypto do they pick for him were they dropping it in some really shady coins like what what was the process here <laughs> that's a great question honestly it, it's it's it works out great for coinbase because in a way it takes the decision making out of their out of the consumer's hand you know they're Brian can't hesitate when Bitcoin is crashing to pay it. They're just like, well, going to swoop it away from your paycheck before you even, before you even see it. Um, so basically, Coinbase like siphons up to his direct deposit payment, the payment platform, you know, where you can kind of go in and see where you're paid, how much you're paid, when you're paid. Um, and they just take off either all of it or a percentage of it. I think Brian was taking $600 a month. 300 from every paycheck and putting it into, and then you can choose which coins you want. You can do Bitcoin, Ethereum, you can just do like a, a wide mix of them. You know, people compare it to a 401k, but a 401k uh, is at least like diversified by experts or people, not just like guys who like 
coins and all the all the companies that you're investing in are actual like actual companies with like utility they're not just like coins whose value is based on you know making money from other people a ponzi um so he would yeah take those 300 dollars from every paycheck they would it would just get split off coinbase would just put them automatically buy a certain percentage of bitcoin and ethereum what else whatever else he was getting and then and then that was it and and they chose for him basically like he didn't he didn't know uh uh, power over how the investments were made, or uh, did he get to pick? Do, do you know if that's how Coinbase is? Okay, pick. so he picked like Bitcoin, Ethereum. He stuck with the the safe bets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'd think, yeah, right. Which is, you know, um, at the very yeah, least, I think that's you know, if you're gonna do it, I guess those are the ones to, uh, uh, you know, uh, if you are someone who is, who's got means. You can probably hold, and I don't know if we'll ever see those uh, valuations in terms of Bitcoin and Ethereum hitting their peaks again. Maybe we will. I'm not going to pretend to be Nostradamus here, but it's it's highly unlikely anytime soon we'll see that. Um, so if you can afford to hold, sure, I'm sure those are safe bets still, regardless if you don't want to sell off uh, and you just hold on. Uh, but Brian, I, I can't recall. Did you say what his annual salary was on here, or am I recalling from the piece? Why don't you just go ahead? Just uh, anyway, how much was, was he making? It was around 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 twenty five thousand. So we're talking like Jesus Christ. We're t- we're talking uh, almost half of his monthly take home. Um, actually, probably yeah. close to half, if not half, after taxes uh, of his take home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jeez. And more taxes because you get taxed on you get taxed on the uh, transaction of buying the crypto, and then you get because it's uh, or you get taxed a uh, capital gains tax too. So you get taxed a ton more. Just right. like that in the other uh, cons in the cons column of this of the uh, running pros and cons. Right. So when did he when did he when did he do this? When did he connect his account to Coinbase and say, "All right, let's let's do this." I get your email. I'm I'm sold. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's was, it was February, and then he got out. He stopped doing it uh, last late June after like everything was crashing. February of this year. So it's about five months. Yeah. Oh, holy mm-hmm. right, He got. Oh my god. All right. So let's let's really quick uh, look up uh, Bitcoin value in February. I know we're not talking peak prices here, um, but we're talking. Uh, we're talking uh, in February in the mid 30s to mid 40s, uh, high 40s actually, almost like 48k uh, in terms of uh, you know, jeez. Uh, and so yeah, about half. So he's lost more than yeah. maybe more than half of what he put in. And, and by. What, why and did he? It's not great, right? Why did he get out in June? Was, was did he hope there'd be a turnaround? Like, did he thought think to stick it through? Like, I'm not talking about like because he didn't even have to sell his holdings. He could have just, I'm assuming, just cut off the direct deposits once the crash happened. But he decided to keep doing it. And again, yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to blame him at all. I just want to understand the thinking yeah. behind it. He so he didn't 
he didn't sell, but he once it crashed, I think he realized that it, it, he didn't know the bottom, and then he was just like, I he didn't want to look at it anymore, and he needed money, so he he you know cut off Coinbase's little connection to his to his uh, paychecks, and and he's just he said he's deleted the apps, doesn't want to hear about crypto or talk about it until he hopefully checks in at a later date and it's, and it's bounced back. Um, you know, I, I gotta feel awful for him. Um, cause he's just, he thought this was going to be his way out in it. Op, it's opposite. It's going to stick him there for a little bit longer. Oh, so he thought he would be able to eventually, did he have like a, t- he thought he'd be eventually, he'd, he'd be able to eventually sell his holdings and he would have made, I guess, double, uh, what he made, uh, and he would have been able to to leave his job. Was that he was hoping what he was hoping for? Yeah, he wanted to. He, his plan was to get a car and, and move to Milwaukee, um, get a place of his own. Did Did he have a timeline for that? Based on all this, like, what was his? his did he have like a real game plan mapped out I, here? Yeah, I, I think it, it was a year. He he thought if I invested for a year, and and like the way it's going or is supposed to go. I'll have enough to, you know, potentially get a car, get a place of my own. Right. So, so how easy was the process for him to connect to Coinbase and to disconnect? Oh, it's easy. It's very easy. Uh, you basically um, just give Coinbase the access to your to your like company's payment portal, um, and then they just—it's honestly like a few clicks of a button. Uh, it doesn't take much. You don't have to, you know, go by regulators. You don't have to talk to your boss. You can just fucking do it in a, in a couple minutes. And I'm and that's hoping... What, that's what, like, flag. Oh, that, that's just kind of what stuck out to me in the, when I first saw... Because I, I saw the email, too. Or I saw them, and I saw them tweeting about it. And that's, like, at the time, I was... I left a different company. I had a 401k and I was trying to be like, Oh, what if I moved it to this company? And like, if you don't do it within like 30 days, you have to do all this paperwork, you get fined. And it's just like, I had so many like stop gaps keeping me from just like accessing this money that's mine from the sole company. And then I saw, I see Coinbase just being like, Hey, a couple of clicks of a button, just give us access to your paycheck. Wow. It's like, that's insane. It's, right. it's wild. Did was it was it at the very least just as easy for him to cut ties to, or was that more of a process? No, he, you can just turn it off basically. And just, okay, well uh, that's good. After they've back. already after they've already vacuumed up the money, at least they let you turn the vacuum off really easily. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very nice of them. And so we we know that he, you know, and I wonder just how. I mean, I could tell you uh, from my own. You know, just uh, knowledge of you know, and I I didn't do any reporting like you did on this very specific thing, uh, but I, from what I've seen, there's a lot more uh, people like Brian than people like Kai who, at the very least, seem to understand what he was getting himself into, even though he decided to go through with it anyway. Absolutely, um, I think that's definitely the case. Yeah, with Kai, I mean, he 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 kind of. Ended it being like I, I know what I was getting into. Um, this is this is the industry I'm in, and I chose it. And I people, you know, he's a true he's a true believer for for what it's worth. Um, you know, you mentioned just quickly. You mentioned Tether, and and there they cr- completely melted down, right? And 
that was something he eventually was. Yes. Yeah. Um, he was, he was eventually getting money. Tether will, by the way, we're just not, we're just not there quite yet. Uh, but it'll, it'll, it'll happen. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's coming. Um, and yeah, you know, that was, he, he would eventually just like take payments in stable coins, but those have, uh, not, uh, been as like stable as they purport to be. Um, but yeah, I, I totally, I agree. I think there's like a lot more guys like Brian out there who, uh, just aren't as vocal on Twitter. Um, you know, did this invested money because they thought it was like going to give them a light up when they don't have any other opportunities for, for legs up. And, um, it, it could get pretty ugly when the bottom falls out here. Oh, absolutely. I mean, to really buoy that point and, uh, uh, give it some real weight here. Um, you included a few in your piece. You included a few uh, Reddit posts that you had found uh, specifically asking uh, in the cryptocurrency subreddit users who – we'll, we'll read some of them right now just so people can understand and hear from someone, from someone else's point of view. These are clearly people who are more like Brian than Kai – uh, came across this stuff. Maybe they saw the Super Bowl ad. These posts are all, by the way, from before the crash, which means that, but not too far before the crash. So we're talking like if any of these people went through with it, they're down at least half, if not more, of their earnings. These range from uh, three to six months ago. Um, and this is from uh, one Reddit user. Coinbase offered me a direct deposit option. Received an email today offering me a direct deposit to Coinbase option. Just wanted to know if anyone has tried or currently utilizes this option. And if they do, whether or not it seems to be advantageous at all. I make a fairly decent bi-weekly income and normally DCA into a favorite crypto's into my favorite cryptos on the same basis. I'm already the proud owner of the Coinbase Visa debit card. Oh my God, I could just... Uh, and haven't yep. been... I haven't <laughs> had any issues nor complaints thus far. I use it quite often in the cashback in my choice of a few different assets. It's pretty juicy. I don't fully trust Coinbase for obvious reasons, but this will eliminate a few steps into onboarding more of my fiat into crypto. I... I don't fully trust Coinbase, but I am ready to give them half of my income, no questions asked. I just, I, I, I mean, I just added that last line to be, to be. I, if I didn't say that though, honestly, I bet most people couldn't tell the difference because that's exactly what he just said. <laughs> and then there's this other one, which is, uh, I don't, if you have it in front of you, maybe you could read this one. The second one there. His, you know, it's incredible. The uh, the one using Coinbase's direct deposit has made me better at purchasing mm. crypto. Holy, go go ahead if you don't mind. Jesus. All right. Uh, he says, I've been purchasing crypto for a while now by taking a little bit from my nine to five paychecks and door dashing on the side and dumping all of that into crypto. However, I found I would talk to myself out of doing it for various dumb reasons. It's the same reason many folks don't save for retirement or save in general. If it's not automated, you have to manually make the transfer. It tends to be harder to see the money leave than to have never seen it at all. Or it's easy to, quote, just do it in the morning and then you don't. Now I pay about 5% of 9 to 5 into it and all DoorDash earnings and don't even think twice. Great. Sorry. (laughs) Me. Uh, He continues. 
while the direct deposit isn't perfect, you can only choose one crypto as opposed to splitting it into your whole portfolio. It is a great start for bigger adoption. There's no fees to use it, and it takes the FUD away. I, I mean... So basically I, saying... Yeah, he it, literally... It not... Uh, yeah. Li- for, and by the way, FUD is a crypto term for fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Basically, when anyone is in a crypto advocate's eyes uh, to chicken shit to do something, or uh, aka actually really careful and smart... Which is what I guess that's not as uh, catchy as FUD, though. Uh, or they're just uh, being skeptical about something. Uh, you know, crypto advocates like to uh, mock those people for uh, you know FUD. Uh, but anyway, um, I mean, basically, this this guy or or gal, their uh, basically their second job is pointless because all their DoorDash earnings seemingly have evaporated once you uh, factor in their paycheck amount that they've put in too. Um, so they're basically working a side job that, that doesn't even, that, that for months has not given them anything, quite frankly. Um, and the interesting thing too is, again, I can't speak to this specific individual. Again, they're anonymous, so we don't even know, but there's a large overlap between like, uh, libertarians and crypto. And a lot of libertarians think something like a social safety net program, like social security, is a Ponzi scheme, which it is not. Uh, but it's funny to see this individual literally argue for Social Security. That's what Social Security is. They take money from your paycheck before you even see it in order to make sure you, when you hit a certain age, uh, can uh, retire or supplement your retirement. Uh, and that's where those Social Security payments come in. They, the government gives you that money. Uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. And, you know, it's, it's, it, it, that, that's sort of like the thinking here too, that like, if you, if you just let them automatically, I mean, but also there are a number of various more trustworthy methods of saving for retirement that work the same way. Like I, I, I people don't necessarily have any oversight over their like 401k or other like investments like that. Um, money just goes into it. So the idea that Coinbase's direct deposit program was the only way to do this is, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, we have a real, along with crypto, the crypto problem, obviously there is a real, uh, financial education problem in this country. Yeah. I mean, I, I, people used to complain about not knowing how to like balance a checkbook. Bigger problem is not knowing uh, when to call like fraud or a scam uh, when it's just when it's right there. Um, I mean, because you guys can, you, I mean, you can see in these posts how they talk themselves into it. Um, you know, they think it's a smart decision. They're avoiding the fees. They're they're averaging their cost with the DCA dollar cost average, um, and so they're they convince themselves that it's a great decision to like. Uh, not have to make the decisions and just take it out and just forget about it while Coinbase just siphons that money away every every other week. Right. And, you know, I should, we should mention for people who aren't familiar, you know, Coinbase is the largest U.S. crypto exchange. Um, it has become like this, the, the standard bearer, I guess, for like legitimacy in the mainstream like space of, of for crypto. Like I would venture, I mean, 
I don't have to venture to guess. It's literally the case because of its uh, its uh, spot as a cryptocurrency exchange. But it is what the majority of U.S. crypto investors decide to go with for their crypto exchange of choice. That's probably where they have their crypto wallet. That's clearly where they're actually making their trades. Um, and so they view Coinbase as a more legitimate company in a space that's rife with scams, frauds, and overall shadiness. Yeah, they were just indicted for uh, insider trading today. Well, I should, uh, right, right. Employees. We should, we should, we should mention it was a former Coinbase product manager. Um, he got fired from the company uh, after telling his brother and his buddies about new tokens that Coinbase was going to allow on their platform. So their his brother and his buddy would buy those tokens before Coinbase would publicly announce that they were adding them to the platform, which means they got in low based on insider Coinbase information. And then when Coinbase would announce the uh, that these coin these tokens were going to be listed, the brother and the friend would then turn around and sell as the coins would uh, the tokens would pump on that Coinbase announcement. They made approximately on both realized and unrealized gains. It's unclear based on the DOJ statement uh, how much they've actually converted into fiat, but in total between both realized and unrealized, one point five million dollars. I mean, crazy amount of money, but also uh, really weird that that you would like put it all on the, these guys can face twenty years in jail. It doesn't seem it seems like it wasn't well thought out, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, totally. I I could yeah, it's a I mean, well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could see uh, you know Bernie Madoff money uh, making the trade off, but. Uh, <laughs> One point five mil. Uh, I'll pass. You know. <laughs> yeah. Not great. Right. Not great right. Right. And uh, interestingly, Coinbase's biggest issue, it seems like, from their own statement, was that in a follow-up to the DOJ charges, the SEC is charging the uh, everyone involved with um, securities fraud. And Coinbase got upset that SEC basically called nine of these coins securities, i.e. more like uh, stocks than commodities. And, you know, crypto advocates have long held the belief that uh, tokens are actually commodities, not securities. And that belief is based on the fact that commodities in this country are a lot less regulated. Uh, Very strong beliefs to have that be the reason why you believe in that. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what a coincidence. My beliefs happen yeah. to uh, work in my favor. Yeah. This is, you know, this this piece was really incredible to read. Um because I I you know, I, I while we were talking I pulled this up and uh there were some critiques over the uh the salary amounts mentioned. Like I mentioned earlier, it's unclear what combination of salaries these sports stars uh, put into crypto. But we're talking stars like Trevor Lawrence, uh, Sean Culkin. Uh, I'm not a, a sports person, so if I'm messing up some of these names, 
Oh, well, sorry, everybody. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, Russell Okung, uh, Andre Iguodala. uh, I mean, we're talking anywhere from tens of thousands of dollars of their salary to millions of their dollars of dollars in salary. And we're talking of losses in the uh, mid 30s to mid 60 percent, more than half of the salary that these stars turned in. And again, when you're already getting paid millions um, in some cases, some of these guys, I'm sure it hurts guys who have, you know, NFL players, for example, who have short careers and have to really uh, make smart investments with the money they make for that short period of time where they're active. But for some of these stars, you know, probably won't be that big of a deal, but they went ahead and publicly, uh, you know, flaunted that they were doing this to their fans and no doubt their fans based on their favorite sports stars recommendation went ahead and did the same um hell here in new york city freaking mayor the mayor of new york city eric adams when he was inaugurated in january this year made a big hubbub about how he would take some of his salary his first like two or three paychecks in bitcoin I would love to know because this was all a push, by the way, because he really wants to make New York City a big hub for the crypto industry. I would love to know where uh, Mayor Eric Adams's uh, Bitcoin investment via his paychecks. I wonder where that how that turned out for him. I wonder how much he has right now if he was to uh, sell if he hasn't already. Yeah, I I mean, it just it makes me think of we were talking about Coinbase people see that as an institution. They see these athletes as, as like reputable people. Like you can see why they, they believe that this is a good and smart thing to do. Um, and they get bought into it. Um, and then, you know, the other side of the coin is, uh, pardon the plan, I guess, but, uh, <laughs> I, I, I've interviewed, a while back when there was a lot of discussion about like is crypto addicting or like is crypt- and there was like the crypto rehab castle that a lot of people were like joking on. Um, I talked to a guy who was just like, he, he was a, he was a heroin addict for a while and now he just checks crypto all day. Um, and like it, it's one has kind of replaced the other. I think he knows that. Um, but you know, you talked about FUD earlier. Um, and these are the guys that you don't hear from. Um, because, because like, if you say like, oh, I like pulled out of my Coinbase direct deposit because I lost a shitload of money, you're going to get piled on by all the evangelists who are just like, fuck you. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, or, you know, just say it like they just believe that crypto is, is the way and, and they just refuse to hear otherwise. So, um, you know, that's, I, that's why I like to find these guys who just otherwise aren't openly posting about how much money they lost because um, they won't. And so you only get, you only hear the good. You only hear Tom Brady saying, I got paid in crypto. It's great. And I'll be all like the positive. Right. A a major, uh, you know, aspect of all this uh, that you brought up is that for a lot of these uh, crypto people, it becomes part of their identity, which makes it hard for them to then turn around and realize that a part of them has been like lying to them or deceiving them the entire time. Um, I mean, it's weird because like, I mean, I'm sure obviously there are 
people, it all, I mean, it's, 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 you know, gambling addicts, for example, face the same sort of thing where it becomes part of their identity. But I mean, at least uh, someone could cut them off at some point. They have to go home or, you know, the casino shuts them down because they don't have any more to, to, to play with or whatever, or they're too drunk to they get kicked out or whatever. But here there is nothing, and even with the stock market, um, I'm sure people get addicted to that, no doubt. Um, but it closes down. Uh, every day it closes down. And over the weekend it shuts down. People are forced to just step away. Crypto is 24-7. And like you said, I've heard stories of people who literally have ruined real-life relationships with family members, significant others, because their face is addicted to checking the fucking line charts, the candlestick uh, charts, uh, and watching the minute-by-minute movement of whatever cryptos they're trading, uh, whether they're investing in them themselves or whether they're looking which one to jump into next. It's, it's, It's... like a drug, absolutely. It's- oh yeah. Um, I also, you know, I I think a lot about like the dot com bubble, which draws a lot of comparisons to crypto. Uh, but like back when that happened and, and that bubble burst, there were people weren't investing in those companies. I like with the click of a button on the phone that that they use all the time. Like there was now, there's just widespread easy access. And so many people are, are, are investing in this uh, as opposed to the, you know, dot-com bubble, which just affected the people who, you know, were investors at the time. Um, and so this is, I don't know, a lot of, a lot of ways uh, this could go poorly. Right, basically. right. Oh, there was one more individual in your piece that I wanted to bring up, um, Derek, because uh, yeah. he had an interesting case because I hear this uh, quite uh frequently from crypto advocates who's, uh, you know, one of their favorite um, use cases is remittances, sending money overseas to family. And they claim that it helps them save on fees. And without a doubt, sending money overseas has a lot of fees. Uh, But also, I have yet to be really convinced that uh, crypto solves that problem. In fact, I've heard from people that they've done the math uh, with their own family and crypto would actually cost more to use. Um, but I'm sure it, it's different for everybody. But this individual was doing the same thing where he was getting 30 to 50% of his paycheck in Bitcoin, but did it because it was easier for him to send his money back to his family in Brazil. Is he is he still doing this for that? Or has this caused him to look into Western Union, for example? Uh, so, so the kind of funny thing about this article is it's, it was kind of in the works for a long time. Um, Derek was, Derek and Kai were both people I reached out to well before the crash. Um, and I, I followed up with Kai and Derek, uh, Kai responded, Derek, uh, didn't have much interest in, and uh, kind of drilling down on, on his, uh, what's, what's happened since. So I don't know. Right. But it seemed like it was a headache for, for Derek, even at the time. Right. I know as a as a fellow journalist myself, uh, sometimes uh, and we can't put exactly what it means in writing, but sometimes just a no comment speaks many words. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yes. 
Um, now before before I let you go, and I don't want to make I didn't want to make a whole I don't want to spend too much time on this because your book hasn't come out yet, um, and I would love to have you back on to discuss this more in depth when your book does come out. Uh, but when I reached out to you, you know, you had mentioned, and uh, it was a great point, and I'm so glad you brought it up that there is, you know, in your work on your upcoming book on Google Glass. There was, um, you know, some interesting overlap between um, and you name one specific uh, venture capitalist who uh, I love, uh, you know, following to see what he has to say, uh, because he's one of probably the biggest institutional, at least publicly public backers of crypto. And that is the VC uh, Mark Anderson. Um, and he was a big investor, and I'm sure you have lots to say about him in your book, uh, in Google Glass. And he, uh, for anyone wondering, now all these years after Google Glass, when did Google when did Google finally give up on Google Glass? Uh, commercially, about 2015. Okay, so here we are. Very quiet. About officially, I feel like it was actually before that unofficially. But uh, I feel like it had oh, to have yeah. been like oh, yeah. 2013 even, like many years earlier unofficially. <laughs> um, but uh, here we are anywhere from uh, seven years to a full decade almost later. Uh, and Andreessen is no longer talking up uh, wearable tech as the next big thing, but he's talking about Web3 as the next big thing. Um, and he's invested heavily in a number of Web3 projects. And quite frankly, uh, his VC firm, Anderson Horowitz, have uh, made out like bandits already in the Web3 space. Literally, if no one else has made uh, money on Web3 yet, uh, I could tell you these guys certainly have. <laughs> uh, Maybe the only people other than the founders who they've uh, injected cash into. Um, what is your take on, you know, uh, uh, from working on this book and uh, Mark Anderson's name coming up and being such a integral part of what you covered with Google Glass? What is your take on his involvement with crypto and the Web3 space? Uh, well, I should say, too, that uh, Mark Anderson, uh, I don't know if you remember on Google Glass, but the, one of the big... Uh, takedowns was the white men wearing Google Glass Tumblr. Uh, it was just like, it proved essentially who, like people who loved Google Glass were, which were just white guys wearing Google Glass. And Mark Anderson was the namesake and the face that it was entirely based on. It was his picture. Oh um, my God, I totally forgot about that. Yes, him and his egg-shaped noggin, right? I totally forgot yeah. about that photo, yeah. Oh my God! Yeah. It's it's so prominent that uh, uh, Google auto completed Mark Anderson Google Glass for me when I typed in his name. They automatically just recommended Google Glass. I remember this photo. Yeah. Holy shit! <laughs> right. So it's great. So Honestly, what, um, go, go ahead. Go the, ahead. The parallels between sorry the the. the and I'm not even saying this to, to sling the book, but I think the, the parallels between Google Glass and crypto, just in the way it's marketed, um, how it's just kind of fueled by just like tech evangelists who think this is the only way forward and this is the future. Um, 
you know, how it's purported by celebrities and athletes. And this is how you like buy this stupid NFT to be like rich and appear like you have are in the upper crust and on the cutting edge. Uh, there's a lot of parallels uh, between this and, and Google Glass. And it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. And it's, well, and it's probably because it's all like propped up by the same, same people or at least institutions. Right. And uh, we'll, we'll have to, you'll have to return so we can get more into uh, the, the Andreessen world of uh, tech <laughs> investments because I mean, I, yeah, uh, my, my, my take on this really, really quick in summary is that um, Mark Anderson has found a, and really the whole, that whole VC, that whole VC, AZ 16, whatever. Um, they are really into this because they've basically created their very own Wall Street for themselves. It's like their very own, um, you know, old finance system, but for these new money tech bros, specifically really in this v- one specific VC firm. Like, yeah, there are others, but these guys are are on in uh, are so heavily involved in so many of these well-funded web3 projects that are popping up you know these guys invested in Solana I believe they have invested in Axie Infinity the big play to earn game um and on top of all of this these guys are have been asked previously in like on public uh, interviews and podcasts to explain why they believe in Web3 so much and to give people like, uh, you know, to, to explain the use cases for it. And while they've put massive amounts of money into the space and are telling people when it's just them releasing statements that this is the next big thing, when asked in a conversation, could not coherently explain what even Web3 was, let alone any sort of utility for it. Have you seen Have you seen some of those uh, interviews? They're amazing. They're really fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they they know their jargon to, to talk around it, but when you kind of sift through, it's like you're not saying anything. You're not saying anything. There's no use. Right. These are all Absolutely. words. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, they'll 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 keep going, which I guess will give me lots more fodder for the show. Uh, Quinn Myers, author of the upcoming book, Remember the Internet, Volume 3, Google Glass. Thank you so much for joining me today. And here, let me give you a space. I've I've mentioned the book and where people can find your your work in the publication you work for. But uh, please feel free to let people know where they can find you online, like on Twitter or wherever, or literally anything else you'd like to name drop, promote. The floor is yours. Not much. Uh, you know, people can follow me on Twitter at Q-U-I-N-M-Y-E-R-S. Uh, that's about it. You can do that. That's fine. But I, I appreciate you having me on, Matt. This is, this is great. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate you coming on. And uh, when the book comes out, let me know. And we'll uh, have to go. We'll have to talk uh, instead of the last five, ten minutes of the episode. Not even ten minutes. Last five minutes of the episode. We have to do a whole episode on uh, these guys. Just amazing stuff. Just incredible. Incredible. Take care, Quinn. Have a great day. Thank you so much. All right. Appreciate it. See you, Matt.
Really looking forward to getting more into the VCs behind some of this stuff on future episodes of the show. Also, uh, do expect, and we lightly touched on it because the news broke literally hours before uh, my interview with Quinn. But do expect more in the future on the Coinbase Insider Trading Scheme. A lot of future material just in this episode. And to support these future episodes, please go to patreon.com and subscribe to the show. Your funding helps this program grow. Really, thank you for your support. I could not do this without my patrons. And you can become one by going to patreon.com slash mattbinder. You can also go to youtube.com slash mattbinder. If you catch the YouTube premiere, you join me for the post-show live stream or any of the live streams. You could always drop a one-off donation in the form of a super chat during the live stream. Or if you go to any replay, you can drop a a super thanks, which is the equivalent of a super chat. Also, follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash mattbinder. And don't let Amazon keep your free Twitch Prime subscription money. Don't let them. Bezos makes enough. Connect your Amazon Prime account to your Twitch account and you get that free Twitch Prime subscription every month. It just takes a second to do. Don't let it go to waste. ScamEconomy.com for all the podcast links if you prefer to consume this show as an audio-only product. And don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. Doing so helps push this show up the rankings on the podcast charts and helps more people find Scam Economy. And with that being said, I think that wraps up this episode of Scam Economy. Wait, did some other crypto lender just go under? Oh, no, 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 okay. Well, at least for the next few minutes while I close this show. So I better close things up here real quick. I'll see you all next time on the Scam Economy. (laughs) 